0: This is Comic Picks by the Glick.
1: Hey, I'm your host Jason Glick.
0: Good afternoon, good morning, and good evening, Jason Glick. <laughs> In internet time, there really isn't any uh, any morning, afternoon, or evening, but uh, you know.
1: Nope, it's when you want it. When you want it, right away. That's it. How are things going, sir? Oh, things are going great. And I'm um, just to emphasize that whole you know time is fluid um, for the um, internet, um, but. I want to start things off by talking about something that John and I um, went and did right, almost right after we um, recorded the last podcast when we were at Funemay, because we, it's after after we did that, we just um, we grabbed dinner and we went out to see um, X Men: Days of Future Past. X Men, yes. Yeah. So, John, what'd you think?
0: I really enjoyed the film. Um, it was well put together. Um, yes, I enjoyed the film a lot. Um, you know, the past and the future.
1: <laughs> yeah. Because, I, mean, I mean, as John said, it was really, really well made, really well acted, great special effects, and lots of humor as well. Correct? Mm. Yeah, oh, yes, absolutely.
0: Lots of humor and, uh, and deadly sentinels. <laughs> <laughs> Man! Um, you know, and it, it's uh, I, I, there is uh, one thing. I was speaking with Myron, who has been on the podcast before with us, and he had mentioned, you know... It's like the Sentinels, though, were almost like too difficult. You know, they were they were they were so impossible to kill. And I'm like, well, you know, and and he didn't, and and his personal opinion was is he didn't like the fact that they used the Raven DNA to to alter the the the, the Sentinels themselves. He thought, <laughs> but I said, and then I said, well, you know, it did give the it did give the uh, the movie a sense of well, look, they're going to be. They're going to be backed into a corner, and uh, you know, and the old adage, of course, you know, uh, good can only be good if evil's really, really bad.
1: Indeed, <laughs> um, yeah, I get, I get what he's saying about like the whole like you know the Sentinels being like really um, hard to kill in, in this in this film, but at the same time, it's like I mean, like these are apparently like like these are not the the classic um, Sentinels that we were used to seeing in the comics. These are apparently just like you know like murder Sentinels who are just like out to kill humanity who've They've had, like, decades of refinement to their killing process. Exactly. And uh, yeah. And I also had another friend who um, commented on the fact, on the same thing about, you know, using um, Raven or Rustique's DNA to um, enhance them. It's like, you know, that makes no sense. You shouldn't be able to use her DNA, like, in that, it's like, for that kind of, like, um, for what they're trying to teach the Sentinels to do. And I'm like, yeah, you could do that. That's true, but at the same time, you know, like, hey, it's, I'm willing to, like, you know, look past it in terms of, like, you know, just, like, the movie trying to, like, you know, get, it was just like a, it was a relatively minor point from the movie. Yeah. Same with um, Kitty Pryde's, uh being able to project people into the past with her ability. Because I'm, cause I know what her, pa- her power is like being able to phase through objects. I'm just kind of wondering, just how exactly was she? Um, able to sync with Bishop in order to like send people's back minds back in time. So that, I mean, yeah, I, you could quibble about that, but at the same time, you know, it's like it's like the rest of the movie was good enough that I you can that you can look past these like these little plot holes exactly hey they're they're not like star trek size
0: plot holes or anything but you know (laughs) hey they're they're, they're, i i understand and i get them but you know um all in all you know the formula works it, it it works together very well you know um you know what i i i and i i told them this i mean i have always found you know i don't know what i am i guess i like the villain side of things you know magneto is a very complicated person and you see that here Mm -hmm. but for once you also see xavier's background and you see his struggles with certain things and i i like that emphasis i really did you know
1: yeah even though like the whole like y'all Like he's—he's he going to use his um, like the anti-mutagenic serum to um keep his ability to walk at the, at the expense of his powers. So like, it, it was a little bit um, on the nose, but at the same time, um, James McAvoy was a, is a strong enough actor in order to make to pull it off and make you care about that. And But and Michael Fassbender just really gets um, Magneto's—you know—ends justify the means um, school of thought thought right there. Indeed. Yeah, and uh, even though it's like—I mean—the story itself does a, it's it's a first X Men movie to adapt a specific story mm-hmm. from the comics, and it um, it it does so in a it does so decently enough in a very broad fashion. Mm-hmm. But because you know like, the biggest change is that you know they sent Wolverine back in time in terms of Kitty Pride. Now oh. I can understand why they made that change mm-hmm. because Kitty Pride is just was just like um she just had this like little minor role. In X in X Men: The Last Stand, mm-hmm. and you know, you realize you need you need um, like one of the A list characters in order to um, in order to make it work, like in like in the film. I mean, to be honest, I think that the original like storyline was just meant to be like a like a, a, like a little simple um, two part storyline. Um, that and um, when, when Chris Claremont and John Byrne were um, making were I am cooking it up, they just I don't think they had any idea how like how how fandom was going to react. This this particular story, you know, if they had, then you know, it wouldn't have been two issues. It would have been like, you know, big multi epic like the Phoenix Saga.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, but um, but you know, I, but also the uh, like the screenwriter Simon Kinberg came up with the, at least has a decent rationalization for why Wolverine was you know put into this role. It's like so that he could um, mentor Xavier, it's like in the same way that Xavier mentored him in the course of the films. Mm-hmm. So so I so I can, I can really get behind that. That school of thinking, and yeah, if you—that's the reason, reasoning you want to offer me as to why Wolverine was, you know, the main character in this film. Aside from the fact that Hugh Jackman is completely badass as the guy, and I would never pass up any role, any excuse not to see him in this role, then yeah, this is a good enough excuse as any.
0: The justification worked in the storyline itself. I was like, okay, they kind of, uh, you know, they explained. Well, no, he would be the best one to survive the process of going back, and that's, I was like. Okay, that's, that's very decent explanation. I'm willing to go with that, you know. Um, by the way, this is the second adaptation, I believe. Um, in the 1990s X-Men cartoon that aired on the Fox Kids um, block or whatever you want to call it. They also did it. But I don't believe that Kitty Pride was the uh, Kitty was the one that went back uh, that time either.
1: I have to go back and check, but if I guess if you wanted to get into get into that territory, it's like I would actually be willing to cede any analysis of that to um Chris Sims of Comics Alliance, who's mm-hmm. been um performing a an, an exhaustive review of the series um every Monday at Comics Alliance, where he goes back and reviews a uh like a particular episode of the series, mm-hmm. and um well let's just say that in retrospect, um the series is probably not um quite as good as we as we remember it.
0: Uh, yeah, uh, a little bit more romanticism in the past, you know. But in passing, you know, it certainly was. It, it was one they visited. I do believe I went back and watched. Oh, yeah, they, they
1: they went. They as, I remember watching it as a, as a kid, mm-hmm. and I remember like you know they went and um did every they went they they pretty much did just about every um X Men um storyline they could. Mm-hmm.
0: Just as a side note, you know, side note to the side note for the podcast, but um. And I'm not asking for anything, you know, really detailed here. But uh, did di- did you think like the animation quality was really awesome <laughs> back when you <laughs> back when you saw it when it was on television, and then you went back and you watched it and you're like, wow, I really this was. <laughs> um, uh, I haven't. <laughs>
1: well, here's the thing: I haven't gone back and watched it. Ah, yes. So that's 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 what we're dealing with right here because I've I've seen. Like I said, I've just been reading um what um what Sims has been writing over the last um like I think he's been doing this for over almost a year now, and it's and it's interesting to just read even if he's just like you know straight summing up some of the parts here. I mean, they're like um it just sounds like you know what there there are plenty of what were they thinking when they um adapted the, these stories, mm-hmm. and also but even if there's some sub points where I can just Go like yo, okay, Chris. I get the film. You're trying to be funny, haha. That's cool, Ooh. but um, there's a lot of stuff that he describes just pulled straight from the uh, oh, just straight from the comics itself. That it's just kind of like wow. It's like what, like um, what were you guys thinking here? <laughs> so yeah, well, you know.
0: Um, they only had so much time. Maybe, you know, there was a lot of, like, boardroom cutting and stuff that left on the floor, you know, with respect to the story and what they could and couldn't put on television, you know. I don't know. <laughs> well, those are just stabs in the dark. But, you know, usually that's what winds up happening with things like this. So, and anyway, um, you know, um, back to the movie. Uh, again, really loved it. Everyone go out and see it, like, four or five times, you know, whatever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and be sure to stay to the end because it's got the teaser for um for apocalypse in the next film. Absolutely. Yeah, but um, one but in order to uh, you know to segue into the actual actual meat of this comics podcast, there's a moment at the end of the film where you see um where you see the um the Xavier School open up and like uh, you where you see Wolverine walking through the the Xavier School. And I'm thinking, like, wow, this is awesome. It's just like um Wolverine in the X Men. 'Cause like, you know, like it was just cool to see it's like, you know, like the school open up again, like these um like young mutants learning like just learning about, you know, how to survive and um just like then the um senior X-Men um just teaching them what, what they need to know. And I just thought that was just like a really cool moment and just like really key to one of the series that I've that I've really enjoyed from Marvel over the past couple of years, which um is um Wolverine and the X-Men. So getting into the meat of this me to this thing. Um, Wolverine and the X Men um, sprung out from um, from the X Men event Schism, where um, Wolverine and um, Cyclops ha- finally had a um, decisive falling out over over what to do, uh, how, how to lead the um, the kids in. It's like like in this um, post decimation world where there are no mutant, no more mutants being born. Well, um, Cyclops believe that you know these kids are you know hey they they are everyone here is an X Man. They are going to need to fight and it's like we're going to need to learn to survive in this world that hates them and fears them more than ever. Wolverine basically said, "Hey, you know what? Like fuck that. We it's like the uh, we are doing all this stuff so that the kids don't need to fight and learn to um, you know, and learn to kill." It's like we 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 are I, I I Wolverine's been a member of like X-Force, you know, doing all like the black ops mutant stuff just so that, you know, people don't have to um uh, mind up like he is. And so he basically so he basically was against using kids as sol- as as foot soldiers, it's like in in mutant conflict. So, so basically, he took everyone who was willing with him, willing to go with him over to the um back back over to the uh, east coast, and uh, we opened the Westchester School, now rechristened as a Jean Grey School, and I'm um, sort and wanted to teach them. Hey, you know, these are this is how you're going to be like um, if you want to know how to learn learn how to use your mutant, mutant powers in a way that's you know. That's not going to get you killed. It's like, or or um, be uh, uses kind of like a, an avert paramilitary organization. Well, here you go. And um, let's see, and um, Jason Aaron, the writer, it's like he, it's like his his goal with this series was basically to create something that was fun. You know, just it's, it's interesting that when you read the last volume, and he wanted, and he basically specifically said that you know, fun is not a dirty word in superhero comics. It's like, and that he wanted, um, you know, to get. Get the sense back of get this sense of fun back for the um, back for the X Men and um, get back to like you know the whole school setting that they used to have you know back, like um back throughout the seventies um, eighties and even part of the nineties as well. So he um, so his version of the exit of the Jean Grey School was just this crazy insane science fiction um um place where the um where the Danger Room was um adapted into the entire place you'd have um these, um, Nightcrawler-esque imps named Bamps, um, just, like, um, ca- um, creating, um, chaos all over the place, and you also have, like, um, teachers like, um, Rachel Gray teaching, um, Defense Against Psychic Warfare, um, it's, like, um, it's, like, um, Husk teaching, teaching literature, and, um, it's, like, Kitty Pride, um, just, you no know, do just, um, being, uh, like, um, co-headmistress with Wolf- with Wolverine. It's, like, it was, um, it's like, it, it, it's basically an insane, um, it's basically an insane superhero school where they, you know, they um, where everyone's schooled in how to um, survive in a superhero universe. I've reviewed um, pretty much every um, volume of the series um, on on the site. So if you just want to guess, you want to look um, check about what I've said um, before, um, then you can just like check on the site. But to sum up some things up. I've really enjoyed um, what Aaron Aaron has done here, and rereading it, it's like it's still it still proves to be a lot of fun. Like the initial storyline. Um, where um, the health the new Hellfire Club formed by a bunch of evil kids, which um, who were basically um, set on like you know use, um, like using the whole mutant um, threat in order to um, generate um, sales for their new Sentinel products, um, send um, a, a new version of Krakoa to, to attack the X Men, and then they turn him into the school grounds by befriending him. It's like that's see that's that's fun. It's like then you also got like storylines where like Wolverine takes Quentin Quire. Who um, was created by Grant Morrison as a symbol of teenage rebellion, and who basically fulfills the uh, like that role of like you know the skeptical anti-anti-authoritarian character? Um, it's like throughout it's like throughout the um, Aaron's run takes him on a see on a gambling trip in order to raise funds for the uh, for the school to um, a gam- to a prison to um gambling world. Um, see that that see that that was cool. You've also got like when Kitty Pry gets infected by a bunch of Brood. Um, thinks she's pregnant, but turns out, hey, it's just a plan to get at the um, sentient brood in, who's in the school. And then other things like, you know, when Sabretooth attacks um, Sword to get a Beast's girlfriend, Beast's girlfriend, Abigail Brand, when the Avengers X Men um, um, crossover hits, and um, even th- even when the school is dragged into the crossover madness, um, Aaron doesn't lose focus and keeps um, it keeps things centered on the school itself. It's like, and, and the character and the characters within it's like and um and if i was uh, even if i was um you know tend to pick a uh story that was probably like, the, the weakest for this for like for the for um, overing this, and it'd be the um the time where they encountered frankenstein's murder circus which is yeah, i mean this, the tone of the series is, in, is insane crazy action um above all else and but even when you've got a um Murder circus run by um, Frankenstein's monster, and you got the all the X Men teachers who have been pressed into um, press ganged into service, into service, or not press ganged, um, mentally controlled into uh, service as um, the it's like as as a crazy cl- as as a crazy circus acts, Like when Wolverine becomes Revolto the clown, it's like it's yeah, you're stretching things just a little bit too far, right, right there. So it's like. I, yeah, it's like it. I can see what he's going for there, but even then, yeah, still kind of a bit too crazy. But, um, but even then, like you know, the storylines where you get Wolverine's, um, um, brother dog Logan, um, showing up to uh, like kidnap the school, even then, that you know, it still had its moments. And, um, but then you get the um, stuff like the Hellfire Club or the Hellfire School where all the kids are kidnapped and um forced to uh, you know, be turned into super villains. Well. It's like even that that turned out to be that turned out to be like a good like a good fun story for story as well because it basically um finally brought into the brought brought the whole um Hellfire Club versus the um Jean Grey school arc to a climax and it served as basically a great um climactic arc for um Aaron's run on the on the make no mistake um this final volume that I'm about to talk about it's falling action um it's the real climax is um it's like is volume seven. And, um, it's, it's handled really well. And it's like, it, it's a lot of fun, but also, and also the series has never lacked for, um, like top tier talent. It started off with, um, Chris Bacallo, who's one of those artists who can draw just about anything, even if it's just, you know, like a crazy science fiction school, like where, um, it's like where where about anything can happen at a moment's notice. It's like, so he, he was, he got the ball rolling, but the series, um, has really been sustained by, um. By one man, um, that is Nick Bradshaw. Bradshaw is a phenomenal talent, and uh, I had never heard of him before um, his work on Wolverine and the X Men. And this guy has a great cartoonish style that doesn't lack for detail or it's like or expressionism. It's like he like it's like um, for, in terms of capturing like the tone of like you know this is the series is meant to be fun. Bradshaw nailed it more, better than any other artist on. In the series i mean yes the series didn't the series had other artists like um jorge molina ramon perez um pasquale ferry um like i said they never lacked for um for artistic talent but bradshaw bradshaw nailed it better than than just than any anyone else and uh, i i really became a believer in this guy like he's ab he's um i think he's one of my favorite artists right now and um, i and he's now um working with um um, Brian Michael Bendis on Guardians of the Galaxy, and he and Bendis is quite lucky, frankly, to have this guy because I because I've just got the uh, first volume, and that even though that has art from Steve McNiven and Sarah Pichelli, um, um, Bradshaw, um, his art like his style in terms of you know does he captures the create the um the craziness of the school with even a better clarity than um, Bacallo um did. I mean his his he's got like really solid. Detailed line work, um, that just like that just like you know really just really nails the um, it's like the insane approach of this let's say of this school. It's like and I it's like and as I say I really I really like like his work and I can imagine that you know once that when he's um doing like crazy um Marvel cosmic stuff with Bendis that's going to be that's going to be a perfect fit for him as well. So look forward to seeing that. But as far as the final volume goes. It's like I think it's a good I think it's a good um bit good fun bit of um falling action that basically sums up you know what what was in, in, in turning about the school. It starts off with the uh with the annual which serves as the entire into the infinity crossover and focuses on Kid Gladiator, um the son of the um Shiar um the Shiar Emperor Emperor Gladiator, who is big on punching and um see and fighting just about anything that crosses path. Here, um, after the um, Avengers X Men crossover, he was forced to come back to see um, to, um, to Shi'ar space with his with his dad, and he just fucking hates it here. It's like it's just it's like school. It's like no got no friends at the school, and um, it's like even though he really liked I liked it at the Jean grade school, he never meant it to anyone else. But still, it's something. It's a school that in, that in, that indulges his love of fighting things. And it's more than he gets here. and so when the um the force of the builders um comes calling uh, in Shi'ar space, um he takes it his he he seizes this opportunity and goes on to just you know punch the crap out of everything. So it becomes like a it becomes like a thoroughly entertaining um tale where he proves him proves his worth and um shows his dad that not only is it's like is he a worthy heir to the gladiator name, it's like he also um finally earns the respect of his classmates, like all thanks to like you know, like the good times he had at the Gene Gray School. So it's opening his opening arc. It's it's also like Bradshaw's last major contribution to the it's like to the uh, like to the series, and it works really well. In fact, like the whole the whole cosmic action stuff really bodes well for his work for his um tenure on Guardians of the Galaxy. Then um follows up with um the Wolverine School for Gifted Youngsters, which um p- itself picks up from the from the um, Battle of the Atom crossover that I haven't read yet because it's because I'm not paying fifty fucking bucks for a Trek crossover that's um, that's 270 pages long. In fact, um, the see according to the uh, solicitations, I think that paperback version is supposed to be like either 40 or 35 bucks, which validates my reason for not buying it anyway. Um, it's anyway even with the um, like the whole like crossover happening, it's still. It's so, still, um, it's still like a, um, it's a good wrap-up and statement of purpose for the series, and since you've got two, um, let's see, two uh, new recruits for the Jean Grey School, um, try Joey, who's got three, three faces, um, three faces, three arms, on both on both sides, and on um, his and his um sister Squid Girl, who are now new recruits at the, uh, say at the Jean Grey School, and and how they, um. You know, adapt to things there, but you know they've got their own secret agenda because it turns out they've been they've been sent here from Shield in order to find out just how dangerous the school is, and um, and all the kids there. Well, they show them exactly how dangerous it is, just from how, just from you know the danger room to homework and um, and all that crazy stuff. But so it's so it's basically like a, just like a real restatement um, statement just like how the um, school stands for insanity sending and fun let's take like above 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 all else and I liked it for that another thing that I really enjoyed about this art this particular arc was um that um after um there's after the confrontation with shield the beginning of the story um Wolverine um you know goes off on his um go like goes off to try and figure out just you know like what shield has um planned you know where they're keeping their stash of sentinels turns out that at the same time though Um, Cyclops has um, the same idea um, too and so they both run into each other and well you know it's like in the wake of Schism, Avengers vs. X-Men and um, you know Uncanny X-Men and all new X-Men they really haven't um, been able to patch up their differences at all what's more is that in this current continuity Wolverine lost his healing factor Cyclops not able to control his optic blasts as well as um, he used to be so you've got these these two guys trying to um, it's like trying to um, take on these sentinels and um like say not being able to pull it off pull off um to pull off as well and 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 trying to um, and eventually leads them to just, you know being brutally like brutally beaten it's like well they they kill the sentinels but they're beaten up in the process and then eventually like you know they in the midst of finding medical supplies they find booze instead and so then you know. Then you get this great um, five-page sequence where um, they they hash out the differences, and it's a great um, Wolverine and Cyclops moment that really like that goes to ex- exploring their their differences and Wolverine's you know hey you know like Cyclops is um you know why do you hate me so much and Wolverine's response essentially being hey you don't hate yourself nearly enough especially after all you've done and it's also interesting to note that um, Aaron. Essentially, believes seems to believe in like the whole in the classic X Men stuff. You know, in terms of you know Wolverine um, being the uh, guy who Jean Grey was um, too scared of, or scared enough to like, and um, Cyclops being the guy that she fell in love with. You know, hey, why can't we go back to that um, status quo? And it's like in the end, so it's it's fun. It's fun seeing that, and you know, hey, maybe we will get to see that eventually. And they strike a note. A well-earned note of conciliation between the two at the end. Um, We also get um, final um, fate of Toad, who was basically a a really a mean joke as a school's janitor over the course of the series. And um, if there was one thing that didn't quite work, it was him because you know, yeah, he's Toad and he's basically the butt of all jokes. But still, it's like I don't know—he deserves better than just to be um, made fun of throughout the course of the series. Also, um, Husk and her craziness. Um, well, he, um, Aaron, uh, Aaron reveals what he was kind of going for here in this volume in terms of her, uh, she developed a secondary mutation involving her. Um, it's like the um, the abilities, the abilities and pers- and skills she adapts whenever she rips off part of her skin. That's you know, kind of putting a, pa- a band-aid on what is really like you know not, say, not cool at all. And um this final arc just basically um uh, this final story final story with toad basically um puts him back into being like you know the villain for into a villain's role for for reasons what we can that you know you're just we're just like you know getting back to the status quo because you know nothing else works, and you know it kind of feels that um it that you know hey it kind of he kind of does toad. He, Reading this thing, you're feeling that Toad deserved better over the course of this run, and that's kinda dis- that's kind of disappointing. Still though, the final final issue serves as a nice um nice epilogue showing us on Future Wolverine. Um and Future Wolverine um as he um, prepares to close down the Gene Gray School and then present day Wolverine as he prepares to issue the graduate the graduatory certificates for the um first like for the school's first year. It's a nice way to wrap up Aaron's tenure on this series. It's like, and it's it's like and it's, it, let's see, and I and I liked and I feel that like everyone got basically got what they deserved as well, including Quentin Choir, who basically wound up with a um, maturity, whether he wanted to wanted it or not. So so overall, um if you like if if you like soup um your super superhero comics crazy and um crazy and insane, like then um you're absolutely gonna want to pick this pick the series up at some point. Um if of course, if you like um, X Men, X Men series with a with a nice beginning, middle, and end, this one also works well. Works very well too. I mean, it's like Aaron. Um, even though it's like he's um, he shows that he can write um, really serious, dramatic stuff with scalped. Um, Wolverine and the X Men shows that he's um, really good with the with superhero craziness as well, and that he's um, and then frankly, like, you know, I like his um, superhero stuff when he's just being. Crazy, as opposed to um, imposing any kind of drama on it. So even though it's like the series um, may its it's excesses may have, I'm taking it's taken to some may not have paid off in every respect. It's still lots, still lots of fun, and I think it does show that you know, hey, fun should not be a dirty word when it comes to superhero comics. Thoroughly entertaining, highly recommended. And even though the series is continuing under the um, auspices of um, Jason Latour as a writer and Mahmoud Asrar as artist, they have a very high bar to meet. So, that's what I think. Uh, John, any uh, you know final thoughts on on this here?
0: Well, I haven't obviously read the series. However,
1: I like fun, so
0: I think I might just go on and check this out.
1: Yeah, the, the, it's being Aaron's run is being collected in an omnibus edition. Excellent. So, yeah, so you're getting like forty uh, odd issues and an annual, like in in this in it for like a hundred bucks or so. So there you go, something to consider. All right. Do you know what we're gonna be talking about next time? Oh, next time we're still dipping from the Marvel well because I'm expecting my um, copy of the ultimate of the ultimate cataclysm on um, this Tuesday. So in fact, and then after that, I don't know. It's like I may get around to doing the. Uh, um, Swamp Thing Animal Man um, 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 post-crossover podcast that I talked about um, a while back, like on the blog. But we'll see how that goes. And I may just um, decide to duck out on that and just write it up on the site. But we'll see. But next time, um, Ultimate Cataclysm, be there. Oh. All right, be there. B Square
0: or whatever. Yes. Um, that sound like an old WWE commercial. Anyway, um, all right. Well then, um, thanks for uh, joining us on Common Picks by the Glick, and we'll catch you later. All right. Bye. All right. Bye.